0: So, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Lessons from Leaders. I am Lynn Gilliland, and this podcast is hosted by LG Consulting as well as Humentum. And we are so, I am so pleased to have Paige Alexander here. Welcome, Paige. She is the CEO for the Carter Center. Um, And so, I have long been watching the work of the Carter Center. I know that you are a new CEO, new-ish And you and I talked earlier about your own ideas about leadership and what you're doing there. And so, I feel so honored that you took the time to be with us. So, welcome.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. And I think these are important topics that a lot of us are struggling with. And so, hearing from each other and hearing from other people is just a good base to build on. So, thank you for including me. You're welcome.
0: And so, let's kick this off. And you and I were talking earlier about some of the challenges of leadership right now. And let's just jump right in with both feet. And let's think or tell what you think about how you think leading now is different from a year ago or five years ago. We are in such a shifting tides time. So... What do you th- how do you see it leading differently over the, the, the even a short amount of time
1: yeah I think you know so I came into this job I had spent uh, three years in Europe and and so I had just gotten used to this work-life balance that Europeans were so good at you know five o'clock comes and you know, no one's sending you late night emails, you're really not getting emails every weekend, it took me a long time to decompress from that. Um, and I just decompressed and was getting excited about coming back to the States for this job when COVID hit. And so, you know, President Carter has this wonderful saying that he frequently reminds us of what his high school teacher told him. And he used in his inaugural address, he said, we must adjust to changing times and still hold to unchanging principles. Mm. And I think that that really is sort of is the culmination of anyone who is doing work, you, you have to have those adjustments along the way. And I think leadership now, during a global pandemic, during the reawakening of you know racial inequities, during you know what is now you know, the, the the incursion uh, onto sovereign territory, you know, whether you're talking about Ukraine or whether you're talking about you know Sudan or coups that we're seeing, you know these are these are changing times. and I think that, trying to figure out how to work within that and find the targets of opportunity where you can go in with scalpel-like precision and make a difference is really important because there's a lot of noise out there and there are a lot of people doing a lot of things and you want to be impactful. And so for me, that that's sort of where we are at this point in history is trying to find that impact. And
0: so how is you as a leader, so being adaptive, uh- what does that mean for you as you embody your leadership attributes or behaviors or mindset?
1: I think you, especially coming into a new organization that you don't know and no one is here. I mean, we have 37 acres, we have 250 people in Atlanta, and I have met a very small percentage of them. In three-dimensional format uh, and face to face. And so I've taken advantage of this type of medium to have a lot of conversations with people that to be honest, as you know, as a leader who sits up a little bit in, sort of in the executive suites where you can't do walk-around management anyway. You know, this has actually given me the walk-around management to be able to, you know, pop in on meetings or to be you know included in meetings and actually hear from people without it being as intrusive as standing over their desk and saying, Hey, what's going on? So I think the adaptation on how you communicate with people has been pretty momentous in the last two years and how much of that we hold to and how much of it goes back to an old way is yet to be seen. But I think, you know, I'm forever an optimist and I found, uh, you know, with the challenges of COVID, I found a lot of opportunities to do things differently and I think in many ways more effectively. So,
0: so there's the so communication is always important and whenever mm-hmm. i do like the um you know a discovery a analysis of an organization i can always guarantee that communication is going to be one of the issues people struggle with so and we are talking about the the medium like how we communicate through zoom or walk around and then there's the also the what you're saying right okay. and that's been something that people have um said that they realize that what the things they need to be saying to the staff and where they need to lean in have you had that experience
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's not only what you're saying, but it's what you're hearing and listening, taking in, synthesizing and making sure you're giving back. You know, I was I was probably more critical about the level of communication that I felt this organization had in such a disruptive time. I was thinking they should be, you know, communicating, senior management should be communicating weekly. Then I realized the drain that too Mm. much communication can have and how often the message is lost. And I also realized that, again, people didn't necessarily know me and having someone else write my messages, that was not me either. And so, I communicated, my messages went out, they were sincere and heartfelt and there was an occasional typo in them proving that, that in fact, no one else had written them for me, but I had written them. And I think that that, that sincerity and the admission that we didn't know what was next, all of those things meant that people came back and had, um, you know, people were able to read into me and read into the situation. and. I much like being a mother I can't provide clarity for my children as to what's next I certainly can't provide clarity to staff I can only say be transparent and say this is what we're looking at and we're on this to you know in this journey together and you know putting together either employee resource groups that bubbled up on their own or a return to office group where we volunteered some people to make sure that we had enough insight from enough different avenues of the organization. So, I was both listening and being able to push out messages that that weren't falling on deaf ears because, you know, often they, they were the words coming from staff themselves. Uh, and if not, they were things I said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And you're not going to please everyone all the time. But um, listening was a really big part of, of making sure that my communication, that communication in general has been effective
0: and i want to pull out that you do it yourself and i can see the loop around that or one is people can feel you because i'm sure they can tell that it was you even without the typos and that there's a (laughs) there's a connection also from that you make you know i think there is something when you write it yourself that Yeah. yeah And for you, then, how, do you find that you have to keep shifting your style? Like you have to, what was working, where you thought was working, is not working, or you are you mm-hmm. leaning in? This, I found my sweet spot in leading through this chaotic situation.
1: And I think I have to. It, it changes. It changes all the time because I came in thinking weekly communications, and I realized. I don't have enough time to put together meaningful weekly communications, and there's so much noise out there that, in fact, I'm not sure they will be meaningful if I communicate. I mean, people say there's no such thing as over communication, and I think, given that we all spend so much time on the screen and trying to keep up with our inboxes, I actually do think there's too much, you know, something right. to, uh, to that you know, we couldn't do the town hall with all the staff, but people also hadn't been in this office. So, for at one point, you know, it had been after the first year, it was right before the holidays. So, we've been like eight months out of the office. I had been in a job for a few months and I took my laptop and we did an uh, online town hall where, you know, everyone came in via teams and people were on, but I would sort of handed over we had a schedule of people who were going to speak and give updates and as they were speaking giving updates i would run around to someplace else in this building and open my computer and sit at somebody's desk and be like welcome to david's office you know show people i was like i'm imagining this coffee cup probably should have been thrown out on march 13th (laughs) you know and it really it, it made people realize the place is still here I was here. You know, people were allowed to come in if they wanted to come in, but um, you know, after after a certain amount of time, you know, with precautions. And I think that so my style changed in trying to get people to know me, and then trying to be transparent, and now trying to be as decisive as possible with an admission that we might not get things right. But you know, it goes for programmatic decisions as well as as just existing in the office based decisions, but um, being decisive is an important part of the job as well. So,
0: And and also, I love the story because there's a lightheartedness in there that I like also. So, you know, we can be lighthearted. We can, you can bring that side to, but, and yes, to decisiveness. It's so hard right now because people are, how do I decide when I might have to shift tomorrow? And the other thing you said that I want to underline is, that you have um, had to adjust your style as you've been going along and, and shifting and knowing and saying to people, we don't know, but this is what we do know. And based on what we do know, this is what we can do, which is so is incredibly helpful for people to have a sense of safety. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and also for people for to mirror what I would like other people to be doing. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I've learned on my, Email send. How to delay send and have it go the next day because no one needs to know I'm up at eleven o'clock at night answering emails or one o'clock in the morning. It is that delay send button is really important because people do need to turn off and I don't want to model behavior indicating that I'm working really late. I'm working to catch up with what other people are sending me, but they my expectation is not that they're working. And the same goes with yeah you know, the lightheartedness. Yeah, I love to bake. It's just a thing I do. It's a zen space for me. And so we're in Atlanta and September, the weather was gorgeous out and we've got, you know, 37 acres and we have a a pond and outdoor area. So I just started doing happy hours once a week. And I said, I will bake and, you know, we will provide, you know, I'll provide drinks and, you know sodas and and a cocktail, a signature cocktail, and just come. And people slowly started coming in September and October. Our office reopened in November, and then Omicron hit in December, which sort of shut it all down. But I think… I was, you know, there's nothing more than I enjoy than going home and baking for masses of people. That, to me, is just a very happy space. And the fact that I didn't have anyone at home to share it with because, you know, most of my kids are grown and gone, and we didn't have lots of people coming in, it gave me an outlet to say, this is what I do. And next thing I know, other people said, yeah, you shouldn't be the only one baking. So, people were bringing their own things. And it was just a a nice way for people to realize that, that you can be social, you know, in a non-work setting and still be at the space you want to be at and to remind people of how to talk to each other. Cause I think we're losing a little bit of that as well.
0: And I like that you felt comfortable baking the CEO that bakes. So there's (laughs) that story that I also appreciate.
1: Well, I yeah, I told people, yeah. at your own risk, but I've been baking for a while. So they're usually pretty good. So people would say, what about vegan? So I made vegan chocolate chip cookies, a great recipe for that that I didn't have. So that was a lo- learning experience for me, how to cook with chia. or fl- I was like, what was I cooking with? I don't remember now. Flaxseed, sorry, flaxseed, yes. so, which is great. Although Chia also works well as an A. Yes, I, I was trying to remember if I was doing Chia or flaxseed, but it was definitely flaxseed. So,
0: so my dear, this is a first yes. for the podcast of, a, of the CEO talking about her baking skills. So, I just want to flag that as a high point. And uh, we are now progressing in our, um, in our interviews.
1: <laughs> People at AID will tell you I did that all the time, too. So, it was, uh, it, it, it's historically sort of a thing. I but, love that.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that you do it and I love that you shared it with us.
1: So when you look at
0: 2022, this, this year, what do you see as trends? What are you watching?
1: Uh, you know, if I were to have crystal balled, what I thought 2020 or 2021 would look like, I would have been caught off guard. Um, you know, I think in 2022, you know, You could have talked to me last week, and I would not think that I'd be spending the day trying to get two additional cars into a caravan to get into Poland today, Um, people fearing for their lives. So, it's hard to guess what the trends are. I think people are trying to find that balance and find their equilibrium, Mm -hmm. and so, The beginning of every year, uh, my family, we all pick a word of the year. And, you know, I think equilibrium, you know, resilience was last year. You know, equilibrium is this year because I think we really are somewhere between, you know, the world we knew before COVID, BC, the world we knew during COVID, and what this is going to look like afterwards. And so, I think 2022 is going to be people coming back to the office but not five days a week. And again, coming from Europe, that's fully acceptable. I spent three years commuting to Brussels two days a week and working from Amsterdam at home three days a week. And that was totally understood by people. Um, I think we're gonna start finding that. And so people are gonna hopefully take more of a European uh, work-life balance. At the same time, I think there's more that's needed in the world, especially in the space that the Carter Center works, both global health and peace, I think that there are more interventions that are needed. And the importance of being thoughtful about those interventions because they're not going to look like election monitoring used to look like in, you know, in 1986 when we started doing it here. You know, there's so many new technologies and the range of, you know, in a range of fields that offer us all these opportunities that were not imagined when we started and, you know, 10, even 10 years ago, we didn't use Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, but, you know, now we're using GPS satellites and drones and botnets and, you know, using using all different technologies to get the job done that we did not have. And many of us are having to learn what that is. I and mean, President Carter, I said, botnet. He goes, what? So I was like, and I couldn't entirely explain it either. So I think that's part of a learning curve that keeps these jobs exciting, even for those of us who are... Professionally mature, um, that we get to learn new things and learn new ways to do international development. So I think twenty twenty is going to be twenty twenty two is going to be a very interesting year for us finding that equilibrium between the old ways of doing things in person and and the networking that goes with that, and the new ways of you know using these tools now at our fingertips to have the same impact that that we had had. 10 years ago or have it make it better.
0: (laughs) And I like equilibrium because it also, maybe we find our equilibrium and living in a state of constant change. Like that becomes, we can find our equilibrium in that as opposed to, you know, there is a place like um, I think of a skateboard, but it's probably not. It's like surfing, being able to surf no matter what are the waves that come up. So thank you for the word equilibrium. I might borrow that also. And switching gears a little bit, when you think you've been leading through some very challenging times, you became the CEO during a very unusual time in our history. When you think about your younger self, what advice, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self?
1: Um, Patience mm. uh, I think uh, I think there's a lot to be said for righteous indignation when you see things going wrong, but you also have to step back, be a little bit more attuned to whether it's the culture, whether it's the individual you know people that you're dealing with. You can't go in as headstrong as you might feel in your heart you should. Mm. And so, I think that that is, um, I remember someone telling me I was righteously indignant, and, or in the, I was indignant. And I said I was being righteous about an issue. And they said, well, you're being righteously indignant. And I thought, that's a very good point. And now, seeing that in people I work with, seeing that in my kids who are, you know, two of them are in the workforce, so you just can't go in, you know, you shouldn't be a shrinking violet. Um, and I think women often actually worry about that—that that, you know, either they're going to be spo- talked over, or everything they say has to be brilliant to prove a point. And yeah, so it's that—it's that balance, and it's um, knowing when to be properly indignant, righteous, or indignant, or righteously indignant at the proper time. So that's the can think back to examples of when I probably shouldn't have said things and other times where I probably should have stepped in and said things. So it's, those are lessons you learn.
0: And so it's like, you know, balancing, not letting go of what you're trying to change and speaking to it and being patient for whatever. I mean, there's so many reasons right. to be patient. People aren't ready yet. Take, things do take time to change. You can alienate people but if you sometimes yeah. if you are righteously indignant, you're not going to get anywhere. So is that what when you think about patience? Is that why I have patience?
1: Yes, but I think it all comes down to listening. I think that is the biggest example I try to give people is that you're you only learn from listening and you don't know everything, and you never will know everything. And you have to listen in, you know, emotionally, physically, you have to be well aware of what you're trying to where you're trying to have impact. And uh, so if you listen, it allows you to weigh in at at, at the proper time. But you have to Wait, don't wait too long to weigh in, but you do have to be respectful in, in all ways.
0: We should develop a whole course around this because that's <laughs> the how to make things happen in a way that, that is respectful and impactful and yeah. you're not letting go of what you believe in. Yeah. Right. Paige, anything that we haven't touched on that you would that we had or you'd like to highlight
1: no i mean I, I i will say i i'm incredibly lucky because i deal with such a smart group of people and i in every job i've had i've often thought you know i i couldn't be in the job that a lot of these people are doing because i don't have that tech deep-seated technical knowledge you know But because of that, it means every job I've been, I've been able to learn. And I think that's what people should go after. And That's what I tell my kids to go after, too. It's like, you don't want a job that you know how to do everything. Mm. Because unless you're a doctor or unless, you know, in my case, I have a lot of epidemiologists here and I'm, you know, we're going to bring epidemiologists on because they're good at what they do. Um, But a lot of times it's just a very strategic way to think. And I think that that's how you have to look at any job that you're taking, you know, whether it's a leadership position or whether you're working with a leader. You should be able to take away every night, you should be able to walk away from the office and say, I learned a lesson. And um, that, to me, is one of the most important things about any job at whatever level you're at, you've you've got to make sure that you're learning. Um, so you spend a lot of time working, uh, more time working than you do with your family, and so when you're doing that, you should be fulfilled, and that will make you very good at what you do. I, and I can envision that
0: you, if you every day you wrote down what you learned, then you would you would build it up. You'd be aware, you'd be mindful of what you were, what you were. It's like a gratitude journal, but a, what I learned journal. So I would add that on. So you don't miss it. So you, you capture what it is that you're learning. Yeah. I love that. Paige, thank you so much for taking the time and being with us for, for doing the work that you're doing and um, for sharing us about your baking skills.
1: Yes, I'm getting ready. I, I'm looking forward to reinstituting our happy hours around here. So uh, I've got a whole list of things I want to bake for the next time. So um, it's great. Thank you for doing this. And and I've enjoyed your interviews. And I've enjoyed talking to you. It reminds me of why I do the job and why I like it so much. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, all